about two and a half months ago, the elders started to meet again with Tim after his sabbatical uh, had ended and prayerfully trying to discern with both Josh and with Tim God's leading for our church and for our leadership. Uh, the staffing board has also had the opportunity to meet with both Tim and Josh, uh, as well as the rest of the staff, and has provided their discernment uh, to the elders for discussion and review and, and action as well. Uh, we would like to express our appreciation to the congregation, uh, to you, everyone, for your patience throughout this process, and I want to thank you for your prayers and support through it. Uh, as we know, this has not been an easy period and has um, also created some challenges around um, the congregation having, having to wrestle with a little bit uh, of uncertainty through this time. Uh, this morning, we're going to take some time and hear from both Tim and from Josh uh, as they share the, their hearts and they share with us what God has uh, placed upon them in terms of their, uh, his leading for them from a ministry standpoint. See the kids heading out. So if uh, anybody else, any other children that need to head to junior church, please feel free. Okay, thanks, Josh. Josh, Josh did the roundup for all the kids. So, um, but we're going to take some time and actually some extended time here this morning for Tim and Josh to share. And what we would ask, what, what we would encourage all of us um, to do during this time is not just hear what they say, but also listen to the heart with which they share these, uh, the things that God has placed on their hearts to share with us this morning. So we'll start with Tim. Morning. You guys look great this morning. It looks fabulous. I came walking into the office and Jim Holland told me I look cute today. I was like, dude, like, you got a Valentine, bro. Like, Betty, what's going on? And then he said, well, you don't look as cute as your wife, of course. You know, like, well, I agree with that. We could probably all say it. You did qualify it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did qualify it. Yeah, well, thanks for the compliment there, Jim. I think you all look adorable today. Uh, happy Valentine's Day and whatnot. Um, I've, I've really been looking forward to having this conversation uh, with us as a congregation because coming back from sabbatical, all I've really been able to share so far is like what we did, like what, you know, kind of looked like day to day. That's all my report really was. I didn't talk much about like what we had learned and what the Lord had led us in and all that. And so I'm really, uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. And this is only one part of it. This is really focused on what the Lord has revealed to us about, to Jen and I, and our family about how he's called us and what it is that um, he has designed for us for the next phase. And that's awesome. There's many other things, too, that uh, he shared with us uh, and kind of led us into around Parker Ford Church and just things we learned. And so I'm looking forward to sharing those things as well, but not today. Those are for another day. Today is just uh, our job. Josh and I were tasked with kind of sharing about what the Lord has been leading and where he's been calling us. Calling is a really interesting thing because particularly in church leadership. I mean, calling is not just what you feel like doing with your life. If calling is what you feel like doing with your life, then I missed the boat because I should be on a wave surfing professionally. That's what my job should be, you know. And lots of times our job and our calling don't necessarily um, line up. For some of us, we have a call and a vocation and gifts, but <clears throat> we also are trying to make ends meet at a job. And our, so where we're calling and gifting begin to line up with a job, that's an awesome thing if it can work out. You know, if that, if, if that works out in, in the church, you really want that to work out in the sense that you don't want people serving in uh, central leadership in the church if it's not out of spiritual gifting and out of calling because then you're going to have a human organization, a human-run organization where people are punching the clock and doing their job just because that's their job but not because it's flowing from the Spirit. The thing is is that uh, there's only one leader of the church and that's Jesus and we're told in Ephesians 4 that he spreads his gifts out among people and when he does that, in particular, when it comes to leadership, you, uh, we've talked before about how the leadership gifts form um, in the church and that there isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of leader in the church. There's a number of different leadership gifts. And I think part of the reason for that is that uh, in the church at large, as the body of Christ, we only see the true picture of Jesus when the church comes together. 
and when we work together. But it's the same way in church leadership. <clears throat> if we want to see Christ lead the church, then actually leaders have to work together. There's different kinds of leaders that are really necessary in the, in the church. And so uh, people are gifted and called differently. And uh, if w- when I came out of school um, at Moody, uh, I won't say how many years ago, right now, it was a, it's been a while now. And when I came out of school, I knew that God had called me to the church. But exactly what that was or what that looks like, that's a process. And for all of us, discovering calling can be a real process because, again, calling is not just about doing what you feel like doing. The way that you discover call is by when you go after the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you begin to love others. In the process of engaging the kingdom of God, we start to see how God best moves through us to bless the body of Christ. And once we realize that, that's where we start, oh, okay, so our job isn't to just figure out our calling. There's very little in the scripture that says figure out your calling or figure out what your gifts are. What it says is love, one, love the Lord and love each other. And when we do that, we start to see how the gifts and the calling work. If you don't love the Lord and you don't love one another, well, then you don't get to know what your gifts are. Really, it doesn't work that way because the gifts aren't for us. The gifts are for the body. Um, they're gifts to the body. And, um, and so as a leader, when you ju- if you're, like when I came out of Bible college and just jumped into the church, you know, I was... I did children's stuff, I did youth stuff, I was worship leading, I mean, everything there is, you know, just like whatever it was, because I'm just loving on the church, whatever the needs are. But in time, God begins to refine that more and more and begins to make it clear, hey, you can spread yourself all over and there's a lot you can do, but when it comes to doing, giving your best of what I've put in you to best serve the body, you start, you start to learn, people start to learn how they're specifically called, and then you learn how to stay in your lane. Because there's a whole bunch of people who are driving on this highway with the Lord, and you got to stay in your lane, or else there's going to be, you know, you got to make space for everyone else. And so, uh, one of the awesome things about sabbatical was being able to take time to reflect over um, the last 15 years of, of full-time ministry and uh, a few bivocational years before that, and the last seven years here at Parker Ford and uh, years in Netzer now uh, serving in that way, and just kind of asking the Lord, reflecting. I mean, the, the whole outline for sabbatical was to look back and then to look up and then to look forward. And so taking a lot of time to just look back and say, okay, what's been the most effective ways that you've used us? How is it now, God? What are you speaking to us? Who have you named, uh, who have you named our family to be and who have you named me personally to be? And then how does that apply in the kingdom of God and in the church moving forward? And that's, that's how I came up with this mission statement. There's a mission statement that by the end of sabbatical was clearly outlined mission statement, not for part of our church, just for for us. And one of the things that um, I had to do in writing that was say, I'm not talking about what my job description is here. Jobs are different than uh, callings, you know. And, and in the church, you want jobs to start to shape around callings. But if we're seeking the Lord, I got to look at the scripture, look at what's happening, seek the Lord, and say, what's the calling? And so that's what this mission, this, uh, mission statement is, is at this point in, in the journey, what I know of how God has called me to serve in the body of Christ. This is not, this is about me in particular, about how God's called me, but this shouldn't be about me. This is about Christ, one person in the leadership of Christ. So when he spreads his gifts out, this is one of the ways in which God is leading his church. This is how he's called me in that. Okay, so I'm going to read the mission statement, and then I'm going to explain it a little bit. So the mission statement goes like this. And by the way, you're going to get a document um, sometime this week. And Mike will be talking about that in a little bit. But it's going to have this mission statement in it and have the details of this. And you'll get that. That can be emailed to you. You can sign up to have that mailed to you or whatever. But here's the mission statement. I'm just going to read it to you now and then walk back through it. I'm called to strengthen the ligaments of the body of Christ through abiding in his presence, connecting, equipping, and advising leaders, and proclaiming and imparting wisdom to their people. I'm going to read that one more time, and then I'm going to explain it. I'm called to strengthen the ligaments of the body of Christ through abiding in his presence, connecting, equipping, and advising leaders, and proclaiming and imparting wisdom to their people. What does that mean, strengthening the ligaments? What are the ligaments in the body of Christ? In Ephesians 4, it says that's what joins and holds us all together and up into Christ. And so all of us are called to work at ligaments in the body of Christ because all of us are called to love the Lord, and to love one another. Those are the ligaments. Those are the relationships. The rest of that mission statement is how I uniquely believe that I'm called to do that and how the Lord's called me to do that. So the first is by abiding in his presence. 
When it comes to abiding in Christ, the most important ligament in the body of Christ are the ones that are in the neck because that's what connects us to the head, which is Christ. And leaders are called in the church to do one main thing more than anything else, which is to help people stay connected to Christ. That's the, that's the job of the church of church leaders. And so if the leaders themselves aren't staying connected to Christ, then how in the world can they help others stay connected to Christ? That's why the primary job of a church leader is to abide in Christ. And the, way that, the, the primary ways we see that in the New Testament is that they're supposed to spend a whole lot of time knowing God's word and in prayer. And that's why in, in Acts chapter 6, all the other work, this began to hand to other people so that they could devote themselves to the study of God's word and to prayer because they had to make sure that we as a church know what God's will is, know what he's saying, are staying connected to him, submitted to him, have our minds and our hearts in the right place. And our job is to guard that and to, and to make sure we're staying with him. So when it comes to connecting, strengthening the ligaments of the body of Christ, the first thing that I believe I'm called to do is to spend a, a, a lot of time in the Word of God and in prayer. Second, second thing, connecting, equipping, and advising leaders. This one might be a little more confusing. Um, a number of years ago, um, I was on a team that was assessing the decline, uh, along with Josh Bitework and Jay McCumber, not Josh Bitework, sorry, Josh Hostetter. Where are you? Josh Hostetter. And uh, Josh Bitework joined us late in that, uh, in that, on that team. But um, first it was uh, Jay and, and Josh and I were all on that team. I was asked to lead why there was decline in, our, in the district of the Church of the Brethren that we were a part of. And so we sent out surveys and did all that. But the one thing we really felt like we needed to do was go and interview the leaders of these different churches. And as we went and interviewed these leaders, what we realized was we would bring, in any local area, we would bring a number of pastors together. And we would ask them, what's working and what's not working in your church? And when we asked them that question, we barely got the question out of our mouth. And we'd see leaders starting to cry. And we'd see the heaviness on them. And we realized, man, they are not light and full of the joy of the Lord. And they're, they're having a very hard time keeping their own fire stoked for God. And they're feeling isolated and alone. And part of the reason for that is that, uh, you know, we're living in a day and age where we think there are many churches. You look around and you say, there's a church on that corner and there's a church on that corner, but the Bible says there's only one church. And we function as if we're different churches. And then all the leaders who are trying to lead those churches are trying to lead in isolation. But they're supposed to be a part of it. Those leaders are supposed to be a part of an army, a community, a family. And when we brought them together and we'd ask these questions, we were just kids. We were in our early 20s and we were asking these questions. And what would happen was is the one leader would start sharing with the other leader what was going on and they'd feel a sense of camaraderie. Well, we'd go into a time of prayer and we'd go into worship. And by the end of it, people are, these pastors are pouring their hearts out to God and they walk out feeling extremely encouraged by a bunch of young bucks who know nothing other than we're trying to like get information to form a report. And the information was really clear is that we don't have our first love with the Lord working well because our leaders aren't even being sustained in a place of faith and, and having uh, encouragement. And we're divided and we're no longer functioning in faith and, and, and out of a first love for Christ. And we're like, that's got to change. Well, out of that became this, this movement in Netzer that we've started, which is really to connect leaders and to bring them together to worship God, to help fuel the fire in, in following the Lord and to encourage one another and to pray for one another. That's what connecting leaders means to me. Um, and then secondarily, to equip leaders. Um, some leaders don't know how to do their best at, at hearing from the Lord for their ministry and, and how to pursue the Lord together in their marriage with their spouse and all of that. And so one of the things that God's really called Jen and I into recently, which we've thoroughly enjoyed, is uh, bringing leaders into our home or uh, however we connect with them, and just advising them, mentoring leaders, helping them hear what's going on from the Lord, and just working with them in their marriage, how to hear the Lord together, and how to work at that together, and that's been awesome. So connecting leaders, and then equipping leaders, that's not just like, uh, I, don't, I don't actually see myself in any way as some seasoned guru who's able to go over and tell people how church is supposed to work, and you might all be like, amen, you have no idea, dude. Um, but the, but what we do know is we know how to hear from the Lord together. Jen and I have learned over the years how to stay connected to the Lord through the minefield, you know? And he's been working on that for us for a long time. And what we do is try to help other leaders stay connected to the Lord. 
and, and learn how to keep that channel more open. So when it comes to equipping leaders, the most important thing is to stay connected to him. And the third thing is advising those leaders. Um, one of the cool things you see in the New Testament is there's different kinds of um, church leaders in the New Testament. In the church of Colossae, in the church of Philippi, in the church of Antioch, in the church of Ephesus, in the church of Corinth, in all these different churches, you see local church leaders. There's elders and there's local pastors. Some of those, that, um, we know names of pastors like Timothy and Titus who were stationed at a place. But then all the letters that are written in the New Testament to these churches are written from people who are not local church leaders. They're regional church leaders. They kind of travel around and they help and they look and see what's going on in this church or they catch wind of what's going on in this church and they send a letter out to help advise those local church leaders in how to provide leadership in the church and how to help people stay connected to Christ. That is the advising of leaders. We do, I, I'm currently involved in doing that all the time right now. And so uh, Jay McCumber and I at Netzer, we oftentimes will go in and interview an uh, a elder team, a leadership team, and work with them and pray with them and try to seek the Lord and then give a report to them and uh, give them feedback on what it is that we sense would, is a perspective that they might not be able to see from being in the thick of it right now. You know? And so that's what we provide. The New Testament letters, that's what they are. All they are, letters from regional leaders to local church leaders to help give perspective. So connecting leaders, bringing them together to worship the Lord and to encourage one another. Advising leaders, mentoring and giving tools to, to younger leaders in particular as they're uh, coming up through the ranks, so to speak. And then advising leaders, giving perspective from a different vantage point. There are some who are gifted to see from a different vantage point than that of the, of, of the local church, but look from a regional level, from a wider level. And um, so... Uh, strengthening the ligaments of the body of Christ through abiding in his presence, connecting, equipping, and advising leaders. And this is the third one, by proclaiming and imparting wisdom to their people. Wisdom is taking knowledge and then bringing it into a context where it can be applied to people's lives. That's what wisdom is. And the, be the, the uh, most obvious way that we see that in the scriptures and then we see it practically in the churches through preaching. So when it comes to, all right, I got to dig in, what's this thing say, and then in bring that, impart that to a, a congregation in a way that how does this apply to us as a body? How does this apply to our individual lives? And so um, the third way is by proclaiming that. Now, um, in, the, in, in the church in Corinth, uh, there was a whole thing about preachers. And uh, when, if you were here a, couple year, a few years back when we went through the, the, uh, the, the book of Corinth, studying it, you might remember, they were fighting about who the best preachers were. And there was three preachers in particular who they were fighting about. One of them was Paul. Okay, yeah, he's probably pretty good. And then Peter was probably a pretty good preacher. And the other was a guy, Apollos, who apparently was the best preacher of the three of them, is what it uh, appears to be, And as, as far as uh, oration. And what Paul was saying is, he said, look, it doesn't matter who's the best communicator. It doesn't matter whether you, the person seems really wise. The only thing that matters is that these people have the ability to bring us back to Christ and him crucified. And they're gifted people who are gifted at helping us show how Christ applies to our lives now. But all of those preachers that they were talking about, none of them were local church pastors. Not one of them. Paul, Apollos, Peter, they weren't local church pastors. They were regional leaders who traveled around and spoke at different places and all of that. There, there's a whole history of that in the church, of circuit-riding preachers, of evangelists who would go and preach at different churches. We don't have that category very easily in our world anymore. And yet, God doesn't change, and his gifts don't change, and I'm actually gifted to proclaim truth in that way. So how does that work out for us? Well, that's been a question. You know, that's been a part of why there's been patience because uh, why there's been a need for patience because I came back with this mission statement and said, this is what I'm called to do. And so elders and staffing board are like, huh, <laughs> what's that look like in regard to Parker Ford Church? And so, you know, I can give my two cents about that, my opinion about that, but Parker Ford as, as leaders has to figure out like how does that interface? And we're living in a world that... Um, what the church looked like 2,000 years ago isn't what it looks like right now. And some of that's okay, and some of it's not okay, but uh, we got to figure out how to be faithful to what it is that God's called us into. Okay, so let me give you um, real quickly here some practical about how I think that does translate and how we're kind of as a staffing board, as an elder board, uh, and myself seeing how that relates to Parker Ford Church right now. 
first of all, um, anything that is that I'm called to do in the, in, the, in the wider church with other leaders and with other congregations, I'm called to do as much or more here. Um, my wife works for an orthodontic office, and uh, she's been doing that as long as I've been in ministry pretty much, and she's uh, up in kids' mouths fixing braces, not just kids, um, and, right? Not just kids. So like the other day uh, at the IF conference, Christina had a loose bracket or something, and uh, there's this picture, this great picture back in Josh's office of Christina laying back in a chair with Jen having tools and over in her mouth like this. Um, because why set up an appointment and go to the dentist office when, like, your buddy works for them? And in the same way, the, the kind of leadership that I provide at other congregations, certainly that should be a thing that's on tap all the time right here. You know, that, that we're just, and, and uh, that's a regular part of how we do ministry here. And um, it, it does need to be shared because it's regional, and yet it's here and it's home. And so when it comes to abiding in Christ, connecting, equipping, and advising leaders, and proclaiming and imparting wisdom, all of those things need to happen here and first here. This is home. This is our church. And, uh, and so what's that look like? Well, I, we are going to be changing uh, the title of my position here from lead pastor to uh, minister of regional leadership, which is like, what is that thing? Well, the words that the Bible talks about in terms of these gifts are ones that we're probably not comfortable using. I'm certainly not comfortable using. So we're trying to find creative terms that, that describe what this is right now. Minister of regional leadership as opposed to the local church lead pastor. Um, but all those things that are necessary, the wisdom that it brings, the, the spiritual mentoring that it brings, the uh, connecting to other congregations that's important for us as well, the preaching aspect of that, all of those things need to be present here. And so I'm still on the elder board. I'm still going to be providing uh, spiritual mentoring to uh, primary ministry staff. And there's going to be uh, uh, preaching is, is uh, very much a way that I connect here. So the way that's going to look is that I still plan to preach roughly half the time here and plan the sermon series. Okay, so uh, after um, Easter, I plan on getting back into planning the sermon series. And there was a number of sermon series that it would be fun. Jen and I would be sitting there in the Word of God during sabbatical. And I'd be like, God just totally dropped a sermon series on me. Boom, boom, boom. It was like six of them. They were outlined. They're ready to go. And I was like, that's awesome. And I have a bunch in the hopper that I can't wait to, to go after, um, honestly. And so I'm excited about that. And um, that's one of the ways I'll relate. And then uh, also, um, I believe that uh, I'm called out of this congregation, from this congregation, as a part of the, an extension of this congregation, as a missionary to this region. And the, and the call and the job is to connect the church. The church is one. God has a deep passion to see his church function as one. And it takes people who can help bring and build those connections, those ligaments. And God's put an undying, relentless call on my life toward this. And I cannot shake it. No matter what I do, I cannot shake it. That is not me not wanting to be here. I want to be real clear about that. That is not me want, not wanting to be here. I really want to be here. My heart is here, and my family is here, and not just this family. I mean, we, we're family, and so I love all of us, but knowing how to stay in your lane is like staying under the call of God. There are certain things that I can provide and be here at Parker Ford Church, but, I, but there are certain things that I need to not be as well in order to stay faithful to the call that God has, and that's not about how much I care or don't care, that's about the fact that I really care about us staying connected to the Lord. And so we've got to be in submission to that uh, sense of the call. Okay, so I'll be preaching here roughly half time, uh, planning the sermon series. I'll be on the elder team. I'll be providing spiritual uh, oversight of our uh, primary ministry staff. And then also um, I'll be a, a regional missionary coming out of Parker Ford Church, um, with Netzer as uh, the format by which I do that, uh, the, the organization in Netzer. I'm already beginning to raise support um, for Netzer to help offset some of the costs of that because, uh, that, you know, to have, to, to spend that much time, you know, um, it's important to kind of offset some of the costs of that. So I'm beginning that process as well. I don't plan to go anywhere. My family and I aren't planning to go anywhere. We see this as where we are called, and um, this is home, and uh, but that is shared. It's shared. Uh, this is home, and this is where we're at, but it's also a shared part of the wider kingdom of God. Um, I think that's it, but I want to make sure. I want to check my notes. There was something I missed last 
service that I want to make sure I don't miss anything. That's it. Um, so uh, thank you for hearing all that uh, because it's a weird thing. I mean, it's weird when it's like not the, the term pastor is the catch-all for like all the leadership gifts. But trying to describe our specific gift isn't about like, it's about trying to stay in the lane trying to do, be able to go after all that the Lord has for us and trying to submit ourselves to the part that we each play for the leadership of Christ to be present for this congregation and in the kingdom of God. Some of the things that are clearly not covered that are needs of Parker Ford Church, that uh, what it is that I'm called to, it doesn't cover uh, uh, those needs uh, in leadership. There are others who uh, uh, will be stepping into that in various ways. Josh is going to come and share uh, what, we, uh, what he sees his part is and how God's been moving in his life. And then Mike's going to come and, and share that which is not covered uh, by uh, Josh and I and speak to that uh, from the perspective of the elders, okay? Good morning. Let's just pray for a second. Father God, uh, yeah, we thank you for the calling that you have put upon our brother Tim and for his courage to share that with us this morning. And we just pray that we would receive that um, from him and from you. And that, Father, as we um, kind of focus this morning, like you're a good father and um, our hope is in you. And so we just, uh, we trust you in this moment and um, as we continue to just hear this morning about like leadership of Parker Ford Church, Lord. Um, may we hear with ears and uh, that just can really see, God, how you're providing and how you're caring for your children here at Parker Ford. Amen. Yes, my um, sharing with you is a little bit a little bit different in the sense that um, I feel like mine, you know, you go from Tim sharing kind of that regional perspective um, to me kind of being like, okay, and so this little circle over here, that's me, um, and that's where I am. And, um, you know, this is something that um, God is continuing to develop in me and to continue to show me and reveal to me how this actually gets played out in the church. Um, uh, my dad has been a pastor um, you know, for our, my whole life, and most of his, and um, so I've firsthand witnessed um, what pastoral ministry looks like, and um, there's something about it that I really, um, really became interested in, and so, um, you know, I went to Bible college, and in Bible college, I attempted to major in um, pastoral ministries and other um, majors that related to church leadership, and um, every time ended up dropping out of that major and um, just like got to the place where um, I would be sitting in classes, you know, and they get to the spot where they say like, they call you out, you know, like if this is a calling, then this is where you're at. And, and it just was like, yeah, no, that is not me, you know, and I would um, meet with the advisor and talk and then I'd be like, all right, I'm out. And, um, but yet the calling to a church, the church in my life is not um, faded and it hasn't left. Um, but it's been one of those things that I think God is shaping in me and I think is preparing um, where the church is going. God is kind of preparing me to like walk in step with that and, and that calling. And, um, and so when I look, you know, at my father and how he served, I'm like, yeah, that, like, that, that maybe fits him and the culture with which he served in church, but, like, I can't make myself fit in that. Um, and so we've been talking here at Parker Ford and um, have mentioned it, but Ephesians 4 um, talks about what God has given the church. And he says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And the one role in there that I 
really identify with is that of shepherd. And um, I really identify with that and the idea of that that gifting is given, uh, that, that role is given to the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and the building of the body of Christ. And, and those two things, like seeing people who are equipped to live out their calling is something that um, just is like brings life and joy, you know? Um, I love working in my counseling practice where I get to sit across and see clients come to realize more and more who they are. And then, like, it's like this glorious moment when there's, like, that one week they come back and they're like, so the thing you and I have been talking about, like, I finally did it. And I'm like, you know, and, and they're like, and it was so painful or it was so hard, you know, but like that kind of thing where it's like you, you actually like you're equipped and, and you get it and you go and do and, and the building up of the body like is so um, where my heart is at and, and that fits with the responsibility of a shepherd and um, some translations translate that as pastor and, and I think, like Tim referenced, pastor has been such a general term that um, it is, uh, it's fair to use, but it's not like the picture I have, you know, like if I were to like think of the pastors that I um, have served under and been under, like I'm not that kind of pastor, but like I'm a pastor who's like wants to do the shepherding thing. Like, I want to figure out how to help the body of Christ be the body of Christ. And um, there's a lot more, I think, that we kind of conceptualize in terms of a pastor and what it does. Um, but for me, I think very communally about that. Um, if you were with us in the Advent series, um, there was one Sunday where I spoke on Micah and the prophecy in Micah, and um, there's a, another verse in there that I think that, like, if you were here, you got to watch me be undone in that moment as I hit this verse. Um, but the Micah 5, 4, where it says, and he, Jesus, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And that's another just foundational verse, not because I personally um, identify with that role of shepherd there, but because of how good and great of a shepherd Jesus is to the flock. And that just being a picture is a place where like um, when, you know, when I look at my dad, and I can actually see characteristics of who I am in my father, and that there's like there's a a, a belonging because you see that. Um, this Micah passage is kind of the same way for me, where Jesus being named the shepherd. Um, when I then look at Jesus as a shepherd, I feel that and know that is a I, a piece of um, who He has made me, and so then um, I feel like I belong um, with him in that. And so um, the more and more that I understand how Jesus is our chief and good, great shepherd, um, the more than I actually feel like I belong um, to him and a part of his family. Um, and so that is um, something that I'm still figuring out and, and walking in, but it's, it's also the thing that I've been kind of sharing along the way with the elders and sharing with them. Um, and um, they've been gracious and affirming, you know, in that as well. Um, and then the last passage is, you know, as an elder, um, we hold to First Peter 5 a lot, and, and that's kind of like a foundational passage for us as elders, and there again, um, it talks about shepherding, and it in First Peter 5, 2 and 3, it says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Um, and that, for me, that is personal. Like, that's a personal responsibility. You know, that's a personal call to 
function in this way, not, not just in my role on staff, but as an elder. Like, I really hold um, deep value in that. Um, and I know that um, it's kind of, it's a weird thing in terms of relationship because we have our perceptions of what a pastor is. And then when we say shepherding and caring for the flock, we tie that with what our own perception of pastor is. And so there are times where I personally struggle because I feel like I'm not actually caring um, based on the perception. Um, but then knowing like, but yet this is still in me and figuring out how to make that work is, um, is somewhat to be fleshed out. And so um, moving forward in my position as staff, um, I'll be staying part-time, uh, pastor of discipleship, and um, seeking to really develop that. And so, um, you know, as, as Tim was highlighting, like first and foremost, a priority is being committed to having time with God. You know, because if, if he is where I belong and it's that identity of him as a shepherd that I connect to, then I need to be connected to that in order to know how to then shepherd those who are in my care uh, that he has given to the body, you know, in, in that way. And so first and foremost, right, it's like the commitment and the time with God and making that uh, a priority and an essential piece of the responsibilities that we see our staff and, and pastoral staff have. Um, second is um, just really diving in to um, disciple-making disciple ministries, you know. So I think um, the church has really been very programmatic about how we disciple. And for me, um, I'm not a very programmatic-minded person, but I'm a very relationally-minded person. And, and so thinking about discipleship in its truest relational sense um, is going to take some time and study for me. And um, I think it's – I think um, my – counseling background really helps in this um, because I think when we actually go after discipleship relationally, it really challenges us to be vulnerable and raw with one another. And that's something that culturally is becoming less and less okay, you know? Um, and, and so we actually have to get comfortable with how do we deal with other people's fears and other people's insecurities. And in those moments, other people's sin. And how do we actually in love, like, so often we've said, like, um, I remember in college it was all about, like, who's your accountability? And are you confronting your friend because he's th this and this? And it was like this. It just felt, like, intense. But, like, but like and it is. <laughs> um, but how do we actually, like, bring that back in a context of love um, where we're, like, we're really loving on our brothers and sisters, where you feel like you belong to the body of Christ at Parkerford Church, not because myself or someone else on leadership um, looks at you and says, hi, welcome, so glad to see you, but you actually feel like you belong and are a part of this body because you walk in the door and s it doesn't matter who, anybody says, hi, I know you, like it's so good, you're a part of my family, you know, and, and to really cultivate that and, and help people, f help each of us feel comfortable engaging relationally um, is, is it a, uh, uh, forward focus for me. Um, so it'd be look like developing that relationally at Parkerford Church, overseeing that, providing leadership, providing um, insight into the, the discipling ministries. Um, in the meantime, you know, there's still, that's, you know, like I said, that's like this little pocket over here. That's like church community, church um, relationships and body of Christ. But that's really, um, that's the, that's a piece of the pie of the whole thing that I feel really called to in this and um, have been affirmed by our elders in that. And, um, you know, in the, in the transition of, like, between Tim and I, there's still, like we said, a lot not covered. Um, and there's still a whole bunch of things that we value as elders and things that I value as being a part of a church that aren't, um, th they don't have a, a leader oversight yet. And so in, there'll be some transition period here um, where Tim and I will, will kind of work together to cover some of that stuff. Um, but I'm going to invite um, our brother Mike up, and he's going to share kind of what um, our proposal is for those pieces. Thanks, Tim and Josh, for sharing your hearts with us. Um, you know, doing that 
is not an easy thing to do. There's certainly a lot of emotion involved in that, some risk that's involved in that as well. Um, so thank you guys for um, your willingness to share those things with us. And hopefully we see in that that the purpose in, in them sharing with us is not just their desire to follow the Lord's leading in ministry, as that is a very strong component, but also their love for us as a congregation as well. And to that end, Josh had mentioned this, Tim had mentioned this, uh, and as an elder board, we also recognize that uh, there are some important roles um, that moving forward will need to be covered. Uh, an example of those would be uh, administrative oversight of various things here at the church, um, caregiving needs, oversight of various caregiving needs as well. And although Tim and Josh are going to cover those here in, uh, for a period of time, long term they will not be able to cover those um, by the current leadership and uh, by the current setup that we have. And therefore that highlights for us a need for another person to be added to our staff. So we will be discerning, the elders will be discerning and, and continuing to pray through this particular need as it is a need and how the Lord would choose to provide for us in that. And we would also ask for your continued support and prayers uh, in this as well. Uh, again, thank you for your prayers throughout the sabbatical and over the por uh, course of the last few months. An overview of what Tim and Josh shared with us this morning will be emailed out this week and also will be placed in your boxes outside for you to pick up um, so that we all have something to be able to reflect upon uh, and have something in writing to be able to look at. For anyone that would like a hard copy mailed to you physically, uh, that uh, can also be done. There is a sign-up sheet right outside the office out here with, on a, uh, top of a clipboard. If you would like to have the copy of the document sent to you but, um, by mail, please put your name and the address that you'd like it sent to out there. Um, inevitably, there are going to be various responses to the discussion here this morning. Some may be very excited about the opportunity for us as a church to have a regional impact. Um, we're, we already have a regional impact, but uh, excitement around what that uh, is going to mean for us as a body. Uh, others, um, maybe a little bit different response and concern around, okay, so what about uh, other situations here that you know, ensuing might not be covered by Tim and Josh, and that's why we need your continued prayers, and uh, we need the Lord's direction in regard to what that looks like from a staffing standpoint. So we will, and, and in order for us to have these conversations uh, and also to have further discussions, we will take time next week at the Congregational Business Meeting for these discussions. So we would ask that you bring your questions uh, to that particular meeting. We'd also ask for your continued prayers in conjunction with that meeting. Uh, there will be a number of questions that certainly will come up, and we would ask that you uh, we would encourage you to bring those to the meeting because if there are questions that one person has, it's probably a similar question to what somebody else might have. And as a family, as a congregation, we would like everybody to benefit from those discussions. So we would highly encourage everyone to um, come to the meeting next week, express those questions so that we can have a discussion around them. If you are unable to come to the meeting, we would encourage you to submit your question to someone that will be able to be at the meeting or one of the elders so that we can still have a discussion around that um, because it may be a concern for someone else as well. So again, we thank you for your continued prayers. Uh, thank you for continued support and would ask that uh, as a congregation, we continue to seek the Lord in, in terms of what the ensuing steps are going to be around our leadership of the church. So with that, Tim, looks like now you have, I, I think, First service, he had two minutes. I think he had three minutes to <laughs> introduce the sermon series. <laughs> Thanks. I just realized that I never turned my mic off. I'm glad I wasn't whispering over there to Jen, you know, or to the boys like, hey, what are you doing? Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you for your patience with that. I know when you come to church, when we come to church, uh, what's... Really cool is when you get a great sermon that opens up the Word of God and describes, you know, more so that how that applies to our life. But we're also a family, and uh, having a Sunday morning also be moments where we have kind of discerning together how the Word of God speaks to who we are as a family. 
This is not apart from the Word of God. Everything that we were talking about here is trying to identify ourselves within the Word of God so that Christ can continue to be the head. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from that stuff, even though it's not uh, maybe directly applicable to each one of our individual lives in the same way. So thank you for your patience with that. We're um, looking forward to seeing how the, how the Lord leads us. I'm going to close that time in a word of prayer and then uh, very briefly um, introduce our new sermon series and Lent. God, we thank you that you are king of kings, that you are Lord of lords. We thank you that uh, all the principalities and powers and rulers and authorities and governors uh, of, of the, in, in the darkness of our world are blown away by the breath of your wind. And that when you breathe, there is nothing that stands against it. And when we look at Jericho and we watch just how those walls just crumble, that there is nothing that can stand in your way. And if you wanted to, you could destroy all sin and all, uh, all, all the presence of sin among us. And you have already taken authority and said it is finished. But you're allowing us as your kids to grow in awareness of where we struggle with this and where our world struggles with this. And then you're growing us in our faith in you so that we can work with you to tear down the junk of the enemy and stand in the authority of God and learn to know you personally and corporately together. And we ask God that, I, I believe that this, that's just, we're on the early stages of that at Parker Ford Church. There's a whole world of what you have in front of us uh, for us to learn together and grow together. I thank you for that. We look forward to that. Continue to lead us through the week as we, um, as we pray and as we discern. Um, and I ask specifically for our congregational gathering next week that uh, you just shape us for that, God, that um, the voices in our minds as we're processing that would be led by your spirit, that as we search your scriptures and as we pray and as we have conversations with our spouses, that that would be filled with the spirit of God and that our hearts would be hopeful and turn toward you in faith. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, just a couple things quickly um, here. I want to introduce the idea of Lent. We uh, practice Lent each year here at Parker Ford Church. Um, and if you turn to um, Hezekiah something or other in the scriptures, you'll find where Lent is listed. Um, Lent is uh, something that's practiced in church tradition, not something that's practiced that uh, comes directly from the scriptures. Then again, the celebration of Christmas is something that... Uh, we see uh, people going to Jesus' birth, but we never see another year after that where people celebrated his birthday in Scripture. So Christmas itself, Easter, all of our holidays are things that have come to us through church tradition, not through a direct command of the Word. So in the church calendar, when we celebrate things or observe things, those things are our attempt as the church to walk in the story of God, to walk along the story of Scripture and to shape our calendar around the stories of Scripture, which I think is really, really healthy. And um, Lent in particular is about a built-in moment of kind of fasting, uh, withdrawing back from what is our normal life to enter into a different part of the story. Um, when uh, Jesus was about to come and start his ministry, there was someone who came before him whose job it was to prepare the way. And he baptized people. And that's why we call him John the Baptist. And his whole thing was to prepare the way so that people could see Jesus. The whole point was he wasn't just baptizing people uh, so that they could be more righteous. Because the righteousness of man, we're actually told that your righteousness has to exceed that of John the Baptist in order to, be, uh, to enter into the kingdom of God and that he was the most righteous man that had lived up to the time of Christ. Crazy. And yet his baptism wasn't so that we could be righteous. The baptism was so that we could repent of our sins so that we could see Jesus. So that when he came, our minds and our eyes were ready to behold him. And that's why when Jesus comes, the big phrase of John is he says, Behold the Lamb of God who actually can take away the sin of the world. This baptism of repentance doesn't take away the sin. What it does is it gets us prepared 
we withdraw so that we can see Jesus who actually can take away the sin. And that's what Lent really is kind of our annual practice of withdrawing from many of our activities and withdrawing from some of our luxuries and some of the things that we're free to engage in because of the freedom that's in Christ. And yet we withdraw from them to kind of hit the reset button and get back to focusing on Christ. What First Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that as we're going to be transformed by Christ, this is how. If you look at 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, it says, Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? In God's spirit is where we find freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, with the, the stuff taken away from our face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So you want to have freedom in your life? Then the way we get freedom is by being transformed into what it is that we were called to be, which is the glory and the image of God. And the way that we get there is not by working hard to be good. The way we get there is by beholding God. Our job is to see God and to know him for who he truly is. And the more we know God for who he truly is, the more we are transformed into his image. And that's why, I don't know if you noticed Josh, man, he was holding it together when he was reading that verse about shepherding. Again, he was having to hold it tight. And the reason is because he was looking at the heart of his shepherd, his father. And that touched his heart, and it's transforming him into that shepherd. And you can feel that spiritual thing just happening in him. It's awesome. You know, And for each one of us, when we stare into the face of Jesus, and the more we know him and see him, the more it changes us to become like him. But we are blind and arrogant if we don't think that we have stuff that blocks us from seeing Jesus. That's why the first John passage says, if we say that we're without sin, we're liars. We have to be able to confess our sins to him and bring it to him so that he can pull that stuff away so we can see him more clearly. The practice of Lent is the idea of saying, we want to withdraw for a season and share with you in the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings so that we can also know the power of your resurrection. So if you go, someone wants to experience what it was like to, to, uh, to the uh, Civil War buff, picture a Civil War buff who wants to know what it, the Civil War was like. Well, someone who gets really into it, they might go to Gettysburg and be a part of one of those reenactments, you know, where they kind of walk through and try to envision it more. The practice of Lent is before we get to Easter, we walk with Christ through his sufferings. And we engage. It's, it's, it's the way to engage the story. This is hard. Christ's life was super hard. And so we're walking with him, realizing it is difficult to not have house or home or luxury or any of that. And we walk with him. And the whole point is to study the gospel during Lent and to read about Jesus and to enter into the story and get all of our focus on Jesus. So here's what we're doing for Lent. This is what we do every year for Lent is we focus on Jesus. Okay, and we read the Gospels. In your personal time with the Lord, I would implore you, I beseech you, I would advise you and exhort you, get into the Gospels during Lent and dig into the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. The teachings are important, but get into the life. Watch his life and what it was like to live that life. Try to get in his skin and see it from his side. And, and ask the Lord, how would you have me dedicate myself during this time of Lent? Jen and I have, have done some things. Each year we practice Lent differently. This year, um, when we put the kids to bed, we, have, we usually have our time with the Lord in the morning. This year, when we put the kids to bed, as soon as they're in bed, we're spending a significant time praying over a certain list of people who we believe God's called us to pray for. Before we do anything else with the rest of our night, that's what we're doing, and that's one of the practices of Lent. Another one is to put our bedtime at a much earlier time, which might sound like, well, that's cool, but it's actually terrible because um, there's way too much to do and that's time where we, uh, like, finally, toward the end of the night, after we get done everything, we get a little bit of time together. But the idea is, it's not about us. This time is not about us and what we can accomplish. This time is about Jesus. And we are purposefully limiting ourselves and focusing on Christ. Okay? And there are cer- certain luxuries that we're foregoing except on Sundays. Because um, Sundays are not part of Lent. Uh, traditionally, Sundays are not part of Lent. Sundays are all resurrection. 
So you don't practice Lent on Sundays. You practice it the rest of the week, okay? Um, so uh, anyway, that's what we're doing for Lent. I would encourage you. There are free books, uh, books that uh, we bought a couple years ago to go through with their Walt Wangeren books, Reliving the Passion. That's an incredible book, spectacular book to help you get into the story of Jesus. Feel free to grab one of those off the welcome table in the back um, at this point. Okay, this is the sermon series that we're going to be doing, and the sermon series is called I Am. Right there, um, I am. There in the book of John, 40, Josh, two or three, 42 or three times, 43, 43 times. Oh, it's in the Gospels. Um, this is Josh's uh, sermon series that he put together, and I think it's awesome. 43 times in the Gospels, Jesus says, I am uh, something, you know? And uh, there are seven big ones in, uh, in the, uh, that we're going to be focusing on. Okay, um, and the one that was going to be for today before we had this family meeting was the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And that's out of John chapter 6. And it's the one word, that chapter is the chapter that God, every time we thought or prayed about Parker Ford Church on sabbatical, God led us to John chapter 6. So I knew that I wasn't going to try to compress that thing into today along with all this other stuff. So we'll get to that one. Um, but the whole idea is when it comes to focusing on Christ and beholding who he is, let's hear who he says he is. And let's focus on who he says he is. And we're going to stare at that. And we're going to study that. And we're going to understand who he says he is. And the more we understand who he says he is, the more uh, we're going to be transformed as well. I want to look at one passage um, to set this up. And this is only going to be a, a minute here. Um, well, maybe now actually three minutes. I think it's going to be about three minutes from here, Mike. So it was like definitely had more than three minutes going on. Um, I think it actually was like two to three minutes in first service. So you guys are getting the... The extended version. Um, where am I going? John chapter 18. I want you to hear this first few verses of John chapter 18. Um, and uh, this is an awesome place where Jesus has an I am. And it's not one of the ones that we're going to be preaching on, but it sets up the series really well. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with the disciples across the brook Kidron, where he was where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Judas actually put this band together, by the way. Wasn't the Pharisees? He procured them from them. I mean, Judas was like he rallied up the troops to come after Jesus. That's how badly he's being betrayed right now. And Jesus, knowing full well what he's going into, is stepping with authority across the Kidron Valley, knowing exactly where he's going into the garden to pray, and knowing what he's about to face. So um, now, verse four. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. And said to them. So he goes and he meets them. He doesn't wait for them to get to him. He goes and he meets them. He comes forward and said to them, Who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. That is an awesome passage. Jesus in this moment, if ever we think that Jesus was the victim here, we are missing the point. Jesus is not the victim. Jesus is the victor. And Jesus is stepping into a place of victory by owning who he is and by stepping into the reality of what that means in this moment, that there is only one who can save this world, and he is stepping into his destiny, into his calling, and he's standing in that thing right there, and they all think that they're in control and doing something, and they're like trying to get the little Jesus of Nazareth and get him reined in and take him off and crucify him. And he says, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And all he does is own who he is. He says, I am he. And when that happens, it's like a sonic boom. When I picture this, I picture a superhero punching the ground and the whole ground ripples and everyone's like, whoa, and just falls back. Because he says, all he does is say, I am he. And the whole like, army of people there just go down. That's, that's real. This is history. That's not some sci-fi matrix thing. That's real. 
That's Jesus spoke, and they all fell on their hineys. You know? Sorry, kids. <laughs> and they all fall down. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And when he steps into his identity and when he reveals who he is and he says, I am, when that happens, we go down. And the more we see who he is and the more we come to grips with who he is, the more we go down and we join John the Baptist in saying, may I decrease and may he increase. And that's when we become transformed And we become like him, and the glory of God is revealed, not the glory of men. That's what we want at Parker Ford Church. And that's why we're staring at him and saying, tell us who you are. And he says, I am. And that's what we're going to be all about during Lent. Staring at him, staring at the I am, saying, name it. There is power in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you for who you are. It's not just who you've done. We are grateful for what you've done. We are so grateful for what you've done, but we are in awe of who you are. And we don't know yet all of who you are in any way. As a matter of fact, for all of eternity, I don't think we're going to fully grasp who you are. We're going to each day be blown away again, all of eternity, by just how amazing you are. And we want to start that more and more every day here on earth entering into that eternal, amazing life of beholding face-to-face the glory of God. I ask that uh, for us as a church body, as a church family, as we walk through a time for our family, but then also as we walk as people of God, as a people, as we become a people following Christ, as you call us more deeply into, into becoming a people who are following you, that God, you would reveal yourself profoundly to the extent that we would become less, you would become more, we would be knocked down by you. Knocked down, not in a mean way, but in a worshipful way. We would be knocked down to who we are, into the place we are, and that you would rise up. And we would seat you on the throne of our hearts and the throne of this church. And we thank you, God, that you were at work transforming us. In the name of Jesus, amen.